Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women Redefining Podcast, where women throughout Alberta are talking about how they are redefining entrepreneurship. My name is Stephanie Baker-Hoff, and I am the podcast producer for this amazing series brought to you by the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, or WEC for short. Your hosts for this podcast are Anita Kemp and Shannon Peston. Anita is the program leader for WEC Alberta, based out of Mount Royal University, and Shannon Peston is WEC's Senior Advisor for Business and Finance. WEC is part of the federal government's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy, investing $5 billion with the goal of doubling the number of women entrepreneurs in Canada by 2025. Led out of Ryerson University, there are 10 regional hubs across the country sharing research on and resources for women entrepreneurs in Canada. Drawing on the expertise of a network that includes more than 250 organizations, WEC also hosts and supports programming that highlights opportunities and best practices for women entrepreneurs and the organizations that support them. Through Women Redefining, we capture insightful and inspiring conversations to raise awareness throughout Alberta's entrepreneurship and innovation ecosystem and raise the profiles of women entrepreneurs and their businesses so that we can continue to challenge the existing stereotypes of entrepreneurs and share firsthand how women are thinking, being, and doing entrepreneurship in Alberta. Before we dive into this episode, I invite you to take a moment to be fully present and recognize the many traditional lands on which we are connecting and acknowledge with gratitude and respect the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples whose footsteps were first to mark these lands. Hello and welcome to the Women Redefining podcast. My name is Anita Kemp and I am the Alberta Program Lead for the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. Here with me today is Ejibola Adetokumbo Tairo. Ejibola has an ambitious drive to grow more women leaders and drive change by empowering women through entrepreneurship. She is the CEO of Simply Ejibola Inc. and the founder of Decedulous Women Leaders. Ejibola is the creator of the Femme Immigrants for Female Immigrants in Canada, the initiator of the I Integrate Next program for newcomers in Canada, and the co-organizer of the Rise Up Pitch competition for Black Canadian women in business. Ejibola speaks so passionately about being on a mission where hashtag no woman should be left behind, a slogan supported by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal of Gender Equality, upon which her network Decedulous Women Leaders is built. Ejibola wears many hats. She's an entrepreneur, women empowerment leader, an entrepreneurship consultant, a several awards winner, a two-time TEDx speaker, and sought-after speaker at women events. She was recognized as one of the 2019 Top 75 Canadian Immigrants by the Canadian Immigrant Magazine. In the same year, she was awarded the Trailblazer Award of Distinction by the City of Grand Prairie, and her company also received the Mentorship Award from the Grand Prairie Chamber of Commerce. And in 2020, she was awarded the Rural Leader Award by the Universal Women Network. Her Sedulous Women Initiative was also a finalist for the Alberta Chamber of Commerce Award. Wow. Welcome, Ejibola. Thank you so much, Anita, for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm super excited. So I've gone through your amazing bio, and now I'm going to ask you to tell us the story of your entrepreneurial journey, from when the spark of an idea appeared 
through to where you're at today. Okay, we've got some juicy, lengthy story to tell here for sure. Oh, where do I start from? I never for once thought I would be an entrepreneur. It never crossed my mind. Not for once. I've always wanted to be a banker and I worked hard at that. I got my bachelor's degree in banking and finance. I became a registered chartered banker of the Chartered Institute of Bankers in my final year undergrad. And 10 years after, I became a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Bankers. So that tells you I really wanted to be a banker. I've worked in the financial industry now for over 14 years. That was how much I wanted to become a banker. Nothing could stop me. Everybody knew. My family knew. I come from a family of nine. And I've always sang that song. I want to be a banker. I wanted to be a banker. But one day I had a conversation with my elder sister and that singular conversation changed me, made me to become uncomfortable. She said so many things, but one statement caught my attention. She said, you're a woman of many talents, but you don't seem to know this. You keep moving in one direction. It's either you're a banker or nothing. There is more to your life, you know, look inwards. That statement made me so uncomfortable and restless. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't even get it. I got angry at first. Like for a long time, I was really, really angry. I was able to come actually to a place of peace when I started to really focus on me. So you can imagine I started focusing on me like when I was almost 30 years old. And to be honest with you, I became really observant. I began to learn me. I began to know me, to understand me. What makes me happy? What catches my fancy? What motivates me? What skills are beneath my skin, hiding away, wasting away? I experimented with everything around me, with TV episodes, with documentaries, with books that I was reading, with news, with journals with some habits, with traveling, particularly at the airport. What catches my fancy? You know, when I'm about to get into the plane, you know, those tunnel, I was beginning to get the attention of the things on the wall. The Calgary airport in that tunnel, you know, you see a lot of business tips and business nuggets. You know, I was learning so much of myself, Anita. I was shocked at what I discovered buried deep down me that I never knew existed. I was blown away. Lots of hidden talents beyond banking or finance or investment. So one day at work, at that time, I was a senior financial advisor at the bank. Yeah, I think I was at the CIBC. So that idea just came flushing in. Then I took a piece of paper and I started to draw. I kept drawing and I kept writing. I just kept writing. And the writing aspect, I want you to hold on to that aspect of my journey, like the writing, the drawings and all of that, because I'm going to bring it back. My first drawing was actually the first letter bag that I produced. So my first set of letter bag collections. And that was it. From there, I started to research where to manufacture the bags. I started from the United States. Imagine I didn't even consider Canada to be the first place to look for a manufacturer. I just thought 
look for a manufacturer in the United States. And I found three manufacturers actually in the United States, but their MOQs, their minimum order quantity, and the price was just over my head. So I searched, I went on Alibaba and I got a very great manufacturer for leather bags. And that was when the journey into being an entrepreneur started. I got the leather materials from Egypt and I manufactured the bags in China and I got them shipped down to me. The first day I held on to the first, <laughs> to the first of my leather bag line, I was almost in tears. I was shaking. I immediately registered the business as a sole proprietor. I started selling at the farmer's market. Imagine, Anita, the farmer's market, I started selling my leather bags. And I got a lot of tourists from the United States buying from me. Honestly, I, I got lots of them buying from me than the locals. So one day, the seller just beside my table asked me why I was selling such luxury products at the farmer's market. He said, it's too much of a quality for people coming to the market that he himself doesn't have such quality product and he has started moving his product online onto his own website. That was another light bulb moment for me. You know how I'm just an accidental entrepreneur. There was nobody to follow. So I was just doing all of this all by myself without anyone leading me, without a mentor, you know? And that was how I got my website up and running. And that was it, the beginning of the Ejibola Eats Collections, the name of my brand at that time, being a sole proprietor. So two years after that, I started thinking, Ejibola, why stand alone? Why can't you build an e-commerce platform where you can have more African entrepreneurs selling good quality products to come on board and you can create your own African Amazon or African Shopify, just that platform where anyone can go and they can find African entrepreneurs that makes quality products. So off I went. I got myself a full stack developer and the e-commerce platform was up in a year and a half. And the name was Made by Africans and it was registered as an incorporation in Canada. So I moved my Ejibola EAT collections onto that site and closed down the previous one because I just felt, okay, I don't need it anymore. Now I have a bigger platform where myself and other African entrepreneurs will have a store and start selling to everyone everywhere. And it doesn't matter where you are as an African entrepreneur, you could be anywhere in the world, just be there on that platform. So I was able to get 10 other brands to that site very quickly so that we could test the power and capability of the new site because that was our MVP, our minimum viable product. So the testing period made us to find um, some errors and places to make some adjustments. And that was like six months of testing of the minimum vibe product. So we went back into R&D, research and development for another 12 months. And mind you, I had closed my previous website and moved onto this website. And we started the R&D. It took us 12 months to work on those errors and to make adjustments and to add new features just to improve our client experience. And it took this long because due to lack of funding, I couldn't hire a full-time staff. 
my full stack developer had his own IT company and he also was working for another organization. So it was pretty slow to get things done quickly the way I wanted. So for me, it slowed down the Ejibola EAT collections a lot. We finally got the site to a version 2.1. It, it was good. It was ready. We were ready to explode. We had all the marketing and advertisement ready to launch and boom, COVID came. You know, at that time, we had worked so hard to get 37 other vendors onto the site. So COVID came and we were thrown away. We already had UPS and DHL and Stripe partnership. Things were good. 37 vendors and I was like, yes, we are ready to get to 100. But things turned sour for most of the African entrepreneurs. Shipping wasn't really the way they wanted at that period. They couldn't get materials. You know, everywhere was, it was just not working anymore. It was that bad. I felt I was not moving forward personally as an entrepreneur. I felt my idea of bringing everyone together was just not working. And COVID was redefining so many things at that point. I had to revisit my business model again, though I know I had tried actually getting funding from Y Combinators in the United States. I tried that twice. It didn't work out the way I wanted. And I just came to the conclusion that it was time to start being simply a Gibola, simply me doing my thing and just being myself in my space of creativity where I can imagine things, control things and sleep and simply just own what I do without being limited by others or situations around me. You know, like waiting on a developer all the time just because of lack of funding, pitching my ideas everywhere without funding success visiting the bank with my business plan and getting a lot of loans. I was just done. I was done. I knew it was time for me to just be myself. And that was how Simply Ejibola started. It started with me realizing it's time for me to be simply me, simply Ejibola. And that was how the name came. I didn't think far of the right name. I just thought simply Ejibola. So I uh, quickly, you know, revisited my business plan, my model, my structure. I changed the name to what is now known as Simply Ejibola, still registered as an incorporated company because I just changed the name from Made by Africans to Simply Ejibola. I updated everything, the name. I updated the name everywhere. My emails, letterhead, business card, bank accounts, social media pages, labels, stickers, everything. Total rebranding. But it was a lot of money lost too to the business, a lot of money loss. Honestly, it was like this new baby that I just gave birth to died. I cried. It took me a long time to detach myself from this tech company I, I was building. It took me a long time. It was very emotional. You know, somebody asked me at that time if I would sell the e-commerce platform. And I thought about it for a while, actually, but I thought to myself, I would only sell to an organization that would scale it beyond my plan for that side. Perhaps an organization like Amazon or Shopify, you know, 
and organizations that would take it to a bigger scale it up. I just didn't want to sell to anybody. So I pulled it down and we created a new site for Simply Ejibola, a very beautiful site, www.simplyejibola.com. And we launched afresh January 1st of 2021. So Simply Ejibola is simply a stationary retail store, which also carries its own brand extensions. So when you visit our website, everything you find there are products designed, created, and manufactured by Ejibola, including our brand extensions. So I guess that is the long story to where I am today as an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for telling it like a story, the ups and the downs. And and what I think is so amazing is when you look at your bio, the only thing I said about Simply Edubola was she is the CEO of Simply Edubola Inc., right? And the story behind how that came about is amazing and that roller coaster ride. And thank you for sharing the vulnerability of not only what happened and but how you got through it and how you felt. Exactly. You know, I tell people there was a day I posted on our Instagram page. I said, people see the success, but they don't know the story. They don't know about the no's, the disappointment, the obstacles, a place of success. One day I would share the full story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're known for being a storyteller, right? You're not a two-time TEDx speaker for nothing. You are a storyteller. And this is just one story of part of your life. And going back to your sister, she seems to have a lot to answer for. I'm glad she told me the truth about myself. Because of her, I'm where I am today. I could as well be living that one straight road journey, she told me. I wanted to be a banker and nothing else. I was reading only banking journals. I was only there to listen to anything news that has to do with banking. Like, my life was just banking. That's an horrible life, honestly. That's I, I love the new me. I love the new me. And you're still a banker. I am still a banker. You're not just a banker. Exactly. I, I'm just not in the office, but I still work with entrepreneurs. Because at the bank, I was working with small business, the entrepreneurs. So I still feel I'm doing the same thing, but in a different way. Talking of your sister, I'm curious, who else along this journey... And it's not just COVID. There were ups and downs even before COVID. Of course, that had the biggest impact on your venture. But who else inspired or supported you the most through your entrepreneurial journey? Okay, that's an interesting one. My dad of blessed memory inspired me all the time. He was a businessman throughout his lifetime. He built a great business empire all by himself. And he had only grade three education, but he was into real estate, hotels, and land management. He was very successful. He worked hard and he achieved a lot. He was a go-getter. He never, he never for once gave up on his dreams. He was a mentor to several people in his industry. You know, for somebody that had only grade three, he was mingling with PhD, you know, with CEOs, with great successful people. He made quite a name for himself. His business sense, his business tips and advice and exceptional work ethics. It inspires me daily, even after his death. Like I admire him 
more now, now that I'm an entrepreneur myself, I think of all the hard work he might have put into his business, balancing family and all. And I wonder how he did it. I wish he was still alive. So many questions I would have asked him. But thinking about how he had led a successful business life inspires me a lot. I also get inspiration from Jeff Bezos, I guess, because at that time I was building an e-commerce platform. You know, he's quite a go-getter. His story is very motivational, especially the fact that Amazon wasn't that profitable for some years, but he never gave up on his dreams. He changed his business name too and overcame several obstacles to get to a place of success. I admire that a lot. I admire that a lot. And in terms of brands that inspired me, Apple is one hell of a brand that's got my respect any day, any time. Apple's products never go on sale. The products are top-notch quality, you know, and they've got the best sustainable plan. Their plan is so crazy. One would think that Steve Jobs passing away would put the brand in trouble, but no, it keeps getting stronger and stronger. That's the kind of brand I would like to build in Canada, to have a brand that can stand the test of time, that is sustainable, that can sustain itself, whether I'm there or not to leave a strong legacy behind, you know, a strong generational wealth, like a brand where Harvard could use as a case study, you know? That's the kind of brand I'm hoping to build. So Apple is one brand that inspires me. In regards to support, I've got the strongest support of all times. My family is my biggest fan and biggest supporter of the Simply Ejibola brand. I've got an amazing daughter who helps to keep quality in check and to keep me focused on my why and what catches people's fancy in a product. I've got my loving husband who keeps me going every day, encouraging me to keep going, reminding me of how far I have come. He said recently, you know, Anita, we were watching the Dragons then and he said that I need to shoot a movie on Made by Africans and my experience and my entrepreneurial journey that it's quite interesting. So my husband and my daughter, they are my biggest supporter. I love you guys and thanks for all you do. And if you're listening to this podcast, which I know you will listen to, I want you to know that I believe you when you tell me simply Ejibola will be a Canadian success. I believe that too. So thank you. Love that. I love that. <laughs> That'll get them to listen for sure. You know, so far in our conversation, we've talked about a lot of different things that have been going on for you as an entrepreneur and your family and their support. Uh, not only are you following your dream, but you're holding up other women, right, to navigate this journey. So what comes to mind is that whole idea of women entrepreneurs and the gender gap that we face and the barriers, whether through conscious bias or unconscious bias, it's challenging the stereotypes of what an entrepreneur is. And I'm just curious, how do you think we should be challenging the stereotypes to make it more inclusive? Excellent. Very excellent question. And I think this is a serious question, actually. So I'm going to answer this question 
from the angle of being the founder of the Sedulous Women Leaders, my hope for the future of women's entrepreneurship is to see women of all shades of color scaling up business. I dream of a time when I will find products of women entrepreneurs all around Canadian retail stores and abroad too. I want to see more made-in-Canada products, more women-owned products, more Black-owned products, whatever definition you give to it. I want to see more of that on the shelves because I walk into the retail stores intentionally and I pick up all those products and they are all made in China. I want a future where we would start seeing made in Canada, like what I mean is manufactured produced in Canada. That's what I want to see. That's the future I want to see. I want to see more products on the shelf made by a woman. I want to see a future where our women are not constrained to grow for lack of funding, financial support, inadequate access to business resources and opportunities, like retail opportunities. I see a future where we move past all the strict and tight application at the bank of simply getting business loans. I see and admire, actually, what Clerco is doing right now. Clerco, I give it up to them. Clerco, if you're listening to this, you're doing wonderful. I love what you do. And I'm hoping that financial institutions in Canada can upgrade and become more modern, if I can use that word, they can become more modern with their lending procedures. I'm an advocate when it comes to the empowerment of women entrepreneurship. The Sedulous Women Leaders is anchored in promoting and supporting the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the goal number five, which is gender equality. And I always, any day, would stand to challenge conventionalized entrepreneurship, the inequality that presents itself in the entrepreneurship ecospace. One of the changes I believe will have the biggest impact in the diversification of retail shelves across Canada, and which um, the Sedulous Women Leaders is embarking on actually right now. We've got an exciting project that would actually provoke that change that I want to see when it comes to retail shelf diversification. Not sure when this podcast would be going out, but we are actually launching the first ever national buyer vendor connect in Canada. This is one of our biggest investments to date at the Sedulous Women Leaders. I'm excited and I can't wait for us to launch it. And we've got big organizations on board joining us on this project, like big partner organization. And I'm looking forward to that. So that is the future I am hoping to see where we can have more success stories from women entrepreneurs of all shades. Because you know what? You leave out one you're missing out on so many benefits that would come out of that one brand. I can imagine the amount of GDP contribution to the Canadian bottom line that we are missing out just because we are leaving certain sets of women entrepreneurs behind. 
we need to support. We need to give them a chance. No woman should be left behind. No one should be left behind. No woman should get access to information so late. You know, we, I, I tell people, I wish I live in Ontario, but I love it here in Alberta. But we need to have access to information as that time the information comes out. We tend to be missing out a lot on certain information that can benefit us. Before I founded the Sedulous Women Leaders, this was what I noticed. The women in this part of Canada just don't have that quick access to information. Things are changing. We're seeing so many changes thanks to the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. Work is doing great and fantastic in that field of bringing resources and the knowledge and, you know, bringing it to us. But we need more. We need more and I know we can do more. Not only is this what you're seeing or hoping for, you're taking action on it yourself. I think about last year and your own business, Simply Edge Inc. and what it was going through. And on top of that, you were launching Fem Immigrants and the I Integrate Network and co-organizing the Rise Up Pitch Competition for Black Canadian Women. You were doing all these things and making sure no woman is left behind. When you know you were your, yourself were struggling to keep up. And I just think that's amazing that you were able to do that. I go back when you and I were having conversations around some of these things, and there's always a deeper story to be shared. And I'm just so glad we've had a chance to do it. I wish we had more time. Um, so the last question that I have for you, and it's back to you, Ejibola. When you look to the future, what does success look like for you, Ejibola, and for your business Simply Ejibola Inc. For Simply Ejibola Incorporated, success is when we have Simply Ejibola's notebooks, pocket memos, business journals, daily planners, all of our products in the household of every Canadian family. When Simply Ejibola's stationary line is on the shelf at every Staples, Indigo, Co, Walmart, Grand and Toy, Target, Loblaws, when it's on every big chain store shelves, that will be my business success. And what about you personally? Um, my brand. My brand is me. So I can't separate that. So that's success for both myself and my business. Wonderful. Well, like I say, we could talk all day. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your inspiring story and those important insights into women's entrepreneurship. And to our listeners, we invite you to tune in to the full series of conversations in our Women Redefining podcast and check out the WEC.ca, that's W-E-K-H.ca website for our See It Be It database, where you will discover over 1,000 successful women entrepreneurs across Canada. Thank you. And thank you again, Ejibola. Thank you so much for the invites.